All right, well, uh, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer and uh, just lift these things to him, the, the needs of our hearts. Uh, we pray that God would speak to you uh, this morning, uh, speak to your heart, speak to my heart. Uh, let's pray. Father, uh, great is your faithfulness. Uh, Lord, uh, they're new every morning, and uh, help us to rejoice as Paul rejoiced, and and uh, give thanks even in times of uh, difficulty and disappointment and heartache and heartbreak. Lord, we can all always uh, give thanks. We're told to do so, and uh, everything give thanks. And so, Lord. Uh, Give us the heart of Paul in, in as much as he was, had the heart of Christ, the, the mind of Christ. And, and Lord, uh, uh, we just pray for the needs of each uh, member here this morning and for those who are not with us who are still sick or away on different, for different reasons and watch over them and bless them and use them uh, as they are uh, away. And uh, Father, we lift up to you this morning and, and give you thanks for, uh, for uh, uh, Annie. And uh, we lift up Heidi and, and Ben to you, and Heidi as she recovers, and also for Ben that he would have patience in, in dealing with uh, these, these two children uh, and uh, that the mother and baby could get rest uh, so, Lord, we just, we just lift them up uh, uh, to you, O oh Lord, and meet their needs. And may we as a church reach out to them for uh, meals or whatever way we can help them. Uh, Lord, I pray for, for Gail and uh, as she's still suffering with this foot and for healing for her. But also, Lord, uh, we just are, are thankful that you... Uh, have used her and will use her in the future in Jesse's life and with his problems. And Lord, I pray that you would just open the door for her to talk to him about his salvation, about his soul and his need of Christ. And Lord, I, it thrills me as a pastor just to hear uh, the sheep uh, witnessing uh, for you and, and being a light in the community. And so Lord, just bless her. And use her. And Lord, I pray uh, for Mrs. Jones, uh, who, who lost her husband, and uh, that you would just comfort her and uh, bring peace to her life and uh, trust and knowing that uh, you're in the midst of all of this that goes on, and for the family as well. Uh, Lord, just comfort each one. And uh, also, I'd pray for Mr. Henry who was in this uh, automobile accident. Lord, I, uh, I'm reminded of, of one we prayed for who was in a similar situation just several years ago and who was completely healed. And I pray that for Mr. Henry, that uh, he would regain consciousness, that he would be restored to health. Uh, Lord, uh, hear our prayer. Also, we pray uh, for Pamela and... and uh, her cataract surgery, and it would go well. And Lord, uh, 
we just uh, lift up the nativity to you and all that's got to be done. And for those that come, oh Lord, that they would be blessed, that uh, you would speak to their heart, that they would take the literature that is passed out and read it. And, and so, Lord, that you would use this uh, to glorify yourself and uh, help us, give us strength. And, and we ask for good weather. Uh, but, Lord, you're, you're the one in control. And, Lord, your will be done because and, and, uh, that's what we want. In Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All righty. Uh, Second Timothy. In, uh, Andrew did a great job in, in First Timothy, and we, we learned a great deal of doctrine and important stuff uh, for life and, and living the Christian life. And I hope Second Timothy will, will do the same uh, for us. And, uh, it's interesting, Dr. Woodbridge, who I was uh, uh, so blessed to get to know, well, I get, didn't know him personally, but he came and spoke at uh, Bob Jones when I was in college there, a brilliant man, knew something like six languages fluently, and but just loved the Lord. And he said, before you get to study any book, you need to read it 30 times. <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's easy for you to say. But uh, I hope you at least will be reading this. Read it through. If, you know, once a week or, or even once a, a day. It's not that long. And uh, uh, it's amazing, though, in reading how each time you read it, you'll pick up something and, and the Holy Spirit will, will bring something uh, into new into your life. And just a little brief introduction, although I... I you know, sometimes introduction can be boring and, and uh, uh, too much background. And, and so just a few things, though. It was written in the, in the day of persecution of the church. Let's never forget that. Probably around 67 A.D. Uh, this was, of course, three years before Nero uh, burned Rome and uh, blamed the Christians uh, for that and... Uh, he wanted to reconstruct the city, but uh, word got out that it was maybe Nero that had done this, and that's when he blamed the Christians, and which started a persecution of them. Uh, they had uh, uh, all sorts of things happen to them. One of them was they'd put wild animal skins on the people and have wild dogs attack them and kill them uh, to burning them uh, at the uh, stake for uh, entertainment, if you can imagine such cruelty. But this is the kind of man Nero was. And uh, uh, it's amazing how people will blame Christians for problems uh, uh, in the world. And, of course, we know the Jews were uh, accused of causing the problems in the world. And so that's just a, that's something that continues uh, on and on. And... Uh, uh, they would say, well, you Christians uh, uh, hate homosexuals, for instance. No, we don't hate homosexuals. Christians love homosexuals. They just, uh, what they do is wrong. It's a sin. And uh, uh, we hate the, the sin, but we love the sinner. And so that's what we, we always uh, need to keep in mind. Uh, so... 
we need to pray for our we need to pray for our country that uh, uh, we as Christians would be light to the world. Anyway, uh, Paul was probably around uh, his mid sixties at this time. We find that he's in a real dark, deep, uh, damp uh, dungeon in Rome. My brother was there and said he there's a place there that was most likely the dungeon where Paul was kept. And he said it wasn't a nice place at all. But he said you really get the feeling that that's probably where he was kept. And uh, he's writing to Timothy, a young man probably in his mid-30s. And he calls him, you know, a young man and what have you. Uh, And yet he's probably, what, middle-aged at least. But we know that he was young in the faith in some ways, and yet Paul uh, takes Timothy under his wing. And Timothy was probably very timid, uh, very shy, and uh, a weak individual. Uh, Much like my path in the Christian life, and I still struggle with uh, fears and, and, uh, and what have you, and we all do. And so, and yet Paul uh, thanks God for Timothy, even with all of his, his problems that he had uh, as, as he uh, struggled in the faith like we all do. And we all feel inadequate for the job. I feel very inadequate for the job of preaching God's word because it's such an awesome responsibility. I will answer to God one day for preaching the word of God and the truth of God's word and standing and uh, being on guard against uh, God's word and and being uh, for the truth of the scriptures. But uh, this book, I think, is written to encourage young Timothy as much as anything else and uh, not to yield to the spirit of the age and... uh, but to guard the gospel, and as, as Andrew said, to fight the good fight of faith. And that's, all, that's for all of us. It's not just for the pastor, uh, Timothy, but it's for all of us. And uh, we need to be teaching uh, other people to hold true to the gospel and uh, that uh, it would be carried to the next generation. And it's sad that there have been the dark ages where the gospel was lost. And, uh, of course, Luther and others, uh, that came a great revival and uh, a rediscovery of the truth of God's word. And, and yet we need to be diligent that we guard the gospel, that uh, we teach what the word of God says. And... Uh, Isn't it a tragedy that the gospel is not even preached in many churches in this country of ours? They don't even, you never hear the gospel, the good news of salvation, that Christ has died for your sins and you can have life in him. And so uh, we need to guard it. We know the, uh, uh, the verse, maybe we, this is not coming up. It's not coming on either, so there's probably a battery. Um, but anyway, Paul says in Romans 1, 16, he says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, 
For it is the power of God for salvation to all those that believe. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. And may we not be ashamed. And he's telling, he's telling Timothy, Timothy this as well. It's hold to the gospel. Uh, preach uh, uh, the gospel. What is the gospel? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, uh, this is one I have up on the screen, which we'll hopefully get to in a minute. But uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, I make known to you, uh, the, thank you, I make known to you the gospel, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, and which you also stand See, we need to be standing for the truth of the gospel by which also you're saved if you hold fast. And we need to be holding fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died. Now, he gives the gospel. What is the good news? Uh, This is good news, is it not? The best news in all the world. And what is that? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. And that's what we need to be uh, guarding uh, with, uh, with our lives. Because it is the truth. And uh, the, the salutation in verses 1 and 2 of Second Timothy. And so now let's read Second Timothy uh, verses one, chapter one, verses one through five together. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as uh, as well. Uh, and God, uh, may he bless this portion of his word to our heart. Uh, so again, we find Paul is in a uh, this dark dungeon, unable as he was under house arrest, probably to see visitors. Uh, and so he's going through a very rough time now, and he probably realizes this is the end. He, he uh, I'm sure, uh, probably thought, well, I'm not going to probably get out of this situation, but he is facing it with thanksgiving and joy. And when you read this, you go, I don't see this guy in a prison. It doesn't sound like that. He sounds like he's on a cruise. (laughs) But uh, no, he's in prison. And uh, we see his heart, I think, as he writes. He says, I am an apostle. An apostle. He was a very special, special uh, uh, person chosen by God. the Apostle Paul was, and, uh, and then the foundation, uh, taking an active part in the foundation of the early church. 
and of course apostles had the gift of inspiration, uh, writing scripture, and uh, great signs and wonders accompanied them, and they were special. And so Paul, one who has great authority, uh, one who is uh, tops, yet he, he, he's willing to take time with young Timothy. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, that this man had such a great heart that he cared about others to that extent. Uh, he has a loving relationship with Timothy. And even though he had authority over Timothy, this is like a father uh, and a son. And uh, they were both in Christ. In Christ Jesus. What does Christ mean? What does Christ mean? It it means Messiah. Anointed one. The one to whom the Old Testament pointed. Jesus means Savior. And Jehovah is salvation. This was the one whom was the theme of Paul's life. Now notice also here that Christ Jesus is mentioned three times in the first two verses. That's how much Christ meant to Paul. He was uh, repeating this. Uh, But he was the theme of Paul's life. And he ought to be the theme of your life. He needs to be the central focus of our lives. Not stuff, not our wives, our husbands, or family or pets. I mean, I've seen people who their pet is the center of their life. Now, don't misunderstand me. I love pets, but that's what they are. They should not be the focus of your life where you're spending all your time with your pet. Isn't it amazing how we get everything uh, out of out of uh, kilter sometimes? And we... We major on the minors and, and, and minor on the majors. And things in our lives become so important when they should not be. So what did Paul say? For me to live is what? Christ. And to die is gain. Wow, can you say that about yourself? For me to live is Christ and to die is going to be gain. Uh, this is, this is uh, huge. Three times in these first two verses, Christ Jesus is mentioned. You know, I wonder about people who never talk about Christ. They'll say they're a Christian, but you find they never talk about him. In their family, uh, when you get together, uh, it's about football games, it's about the weather, it's about whatever. But very little is spoken. They They may talk about God, but you can almost get the sense that he is not really the center of their life the way he should be. Now, don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong talking about football games. Uh, I do that. But nothing should be the focus, the central thing in your life. It should be Christ. And that's who was central in Paul's life, that Uh, He was central in Timothy's life as well. And he ought to be central in our 
life. It's that important. And so uh, let's make sure that we uh, emulate uh, Christ. Also, uh, Christians love to say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Jesus is my God. It's interesting because Thomas, doubting Thomas, what did he do? When he reached his hand to touch the wound, he said, My Lord and my God. Is Jesus your God? And by that I mean, is he the one that you worship? Is he the one that you desire to have a relationship with more than anyone else? That's why Paul could say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain because Jesus is all he needed. He was Paul's all in all and he should be the theme of our life. You know, do we start out letters like Paul does? Now, nobody writes too much today. Uh, letters, I don't anyway. I never did like writing letters. But uh, do we start out writing a letter such as Paul did? To I had a, a, a man that led me to Christ in the sense he pointed me to Christ, uh, Father French, and he was the godliest. He, I, I called him St. Paul incarnate. But uh, uh, this man loved Jesus, and that's all he spoke about, just about. He would write me letters to Bob Jones, and he would say, To my dear son, Sidney, in the faith, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Greetings in Jesus' precious name. That's how he'd start his letter. And then he would go into the rest of the letter, but I went, wow. And you know what? He lived it. It wasn't just something that he talked about, but he actually lived it. And you went, wow, this is a special person. Jesus is his all in all. And uh, so I was really blessed to to know uh, such a man as that. He married Janine and I, and and, uh, and she will testify to that fact as well. Uh, Somebody you loved to be around. And... um, and then he says, Paul says what? By the will of God. He, he was an apostle by the will of God. He got his position, not from himself, uh, but on the Damascus Road when, when Jesus appeared to him. He really experienced, he really experienced who Jesus was. Uh, he was appointed by God for this great mission uh, to preach the gospel. Pastors called by God are responsible to God to do what? Preach the gospel. That's for you too, by the way. Not, you may not do it from a pulpit, but you need to be doing it in your life and, and to other people and, and being the testimony of your life 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, For I preach the gospel. I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. If I, said Phillips, do not preach the gospel that Jesus was born and that he was crucified and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day from the grave. And now as uh, uh, believers, we have life in his name. Woe is to me. Woe is to all of those pastors who are not this morning preaching the gospel. That's what Paul said, woe. And when Jesus pronounced woe on the, hip, on the hypocrites of, of his day, the hypocrites of his day, it wasn't a pretty thing. And this is what Paul is saying. Woe to me uh, if I pre In Galatians 1, 8 and 9, now we studied Galatians some time back, but he says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel, good news, contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be what? Accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. That is not a pretty thing. So, woe to those pastors, those preachers that aren't preaching the gospel. It's that important. Uh, It's interesting. The gospel here is described in an interesting way. Uh, And Paul puts it like this, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. Life in Christ Jesus. Uh, To the promise of life in Christ. You know, John 3.16, we all know and love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. There's life in Christ. There's life in Him. And uh, we're responsible to uh, be telling people of, uh, of that life. Uh, it's interesting. Turn to John. I didn't put this one up here. I, you know, as, you, as you're preparing, God gives you other uh, verses and other thoughts. In John chapter 20, right after... Uh, uh, Thomas confesses who Jesus is to him, my Lord and my God. And uh, John 20, beginning at verse 30. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you you may have what? Life in his name. Jesus said uh, that he came that you might have life and that you may have life more abundantly. Wow, think of that. We have an abundant life, and it begins at salvation. And it continues for all eternity, abundant life in, in uh, uh, Christ. So according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. Uh, interesting, Paul here is, face, is facing sure death. 
And he knew, I'm sure, that his life was, was uh, uh, about to be over. And what was his message? His message was offering life to dead people, dead in their trespasses and sin. Notice verse 10, uh, which is getting ahead of us, but in 2 Timothy 1.10, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through what? The gospel. See, there's light and there's life in the gospel, in the good news in, of, of Christ. Salvation through, through faith in Christ alone. Uh, whoa, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty uh, exciting. Uh, what scriptures say. Um, so, be aware of the promise of life. That's what you're offering people when you witness to them. Uh, you can say to people, I promise you eternal life in Christ if you come to Christ. And that's something that you can promise somebody. If they genuinely come to Christ, as Gail's going to be witnessing to this man, Jesse, and I pray that God would, would speak to his heart, she can say, whoever Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. And they'll have life in Christ. It's just that easy. It's just, it's believing, trusting Christ in Christ alone for salvation. And, uh, And so Paul here is writing to Timothy. He says, my beloved son, my child. Um, This is a man, of course, who had been saved under Paul's ministry. You can find that in the the book of Acts. And uh, Paul had had led Timothy to Christ. and, uh, and, And so he spends much time with uh, Timothy in Philippians 2, 19 and 22, we, through 22, we have an idea of what's going on. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition, for I have no one else of kindred spirit who will generally be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his a proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. This is how Paul thought of Timothy. He was his son in the faith that he had led and he was confident, confident that Timothy knew Christ. And, uh, and you know what? what's exciting? Is I am confident there are men in here who know Christ. Matter of fact, I don't know of any man here who I do not have confidence that knows Christ. I do. And that's exciting that you know Christ and that he is your Lord and that he is your Savior. And so I can say with Paul, I have confidence that you know Christ. And uh, so that encourages me. And uh, uh, we, uh, we all need, we all need love. We all need relationship. And so Paul gives a blessing uh, to Timothy here, a wonderful blessing. He says what? Grace, mercy, and peace. Uh, 
What's interesting here, to Timothy, unlike any of his other epistles where Paul said, grace and peace be unto you, he says, grace, mercy, and peace. And uh, that's only to Timothy, the only time that he puts mercy in there. Of course, what is grace? Unmerited favor uh, to those deserving the opposite. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So grace is unmerited favor to those who deserve the opposite. Mercy is God's unmerited kindness uh, to the weak and helpless. It is his loving kindness and compassion, and we need to be that way. Probably the greatest example of mercy, a person of mercy, would be the Good Samaritan who took care of somebody on the side of the road. He had been beaten and robbed, and he showed mercy to him. And so we need to have that kind of a heart. And he says, not only grace, mercy, but peace, inner tranquility, uh, that we uh, are now at peace with God. You, do you find that true in your own life, that there is an inner peace, a tranquility between you and God? Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. See, the wrath of God no longer abides on you. It abided on Christ. And He has taken your full wrath that you deserve. And now we can be at peace with God. That's amazing. So he says, grace, mercy, and peace uh, from God, uh, our Father. And uh, it comes, he says, from where? comes from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And not everyone in this world experiences this. Only believers in Christ do. Uh, What did Timothy need to hear? What is one thing that we need to hear every day? And we need to hear it from our God. And that is, He is our Father. He says here, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We're told that God is our Daddy. He is our Abba Father. He loves us like a father would love his children. Like a hen who would gather little chicks under her wings. That's the way he loves us. And uh, he will never forsake us. He will never leave us because uh, of the grace and mercy and peace that comes from him. It's just an amazing thing. Then the thanksgiving in verses 3 through 5. Paul says, I thank God. I thank God. In prison, he thanks God. Not complaining. Uh, I think complaining is something that Christians do very well. Uh, And we need to stop it. Stop it. Negativism. You know... uh, I tend to be negative, and Janine will say, Sid, you're being negative. And I don't like to say, you're right, forgive me. I usually uh, justify it in some way. 
but, uh, uh, but we need not to be complaining. Complaining, it's either too hot or it's too cold. Oh, so you're guilty of doing that too. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, you know, it's either too much rain, it's not enough rain. Even the Hebrew children said, manna, 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 manna everywhere, you know. We're sick of manna. And so, what? They were given quail, and they got tired of that. Complain, complain, complain. And, uh, you know, wives and husbands, we need to be careful that we don't complain and are negative towards one another. It's so important uh, uh, that we listen to, to each other. And uh, it's like a man that said of his wife, he says, uh, well, when I married her, I knew her last name was Wright. But I didn't realize her first name was Always. But you see, that's complaining. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, uh, Amen. <laughs> uh, but anyway, here Paul was in prison. All of his friends, most of his friends had left him. And uh, he's thanking God. Thanking God. We can find that other places as well. Ephesians 5.20. Always giving thanks for what? All things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known uh, to God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, In everything give, boy, that's the tough one, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In prison, he was giving thanks. Uh, it's kind of convicting. It's kind of convicting. You know, uh, negativism, uh, we need to do away with. We need to not concentrate on the thorns, but on the roads. Don't concentrate on the thorns, but concentrate on the rose. There's plenty of beauty in this world that we can concentrate on. What, what did Paul say? Wherever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely. Do what? Think on these things. So important. And Paul thanks God. Why? Because God is the source of all good. All things are working together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. And then he says, For whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience. As my forefathers did, such as Abraham and David, his spiritual fathers, as they serve God, he now serves. What is the frequency in which he prayed for Timothy? I think this is good for us to hear. Verse 3, 
constantly, night and day. Now, it doesn't mean every waking moment of the day he was praying for Timothy constantly. No, it was uh, actually the word here is used with, uh, uh, with coughing, where you're coughing constantly. Well, you, there are times when you're coughing, and then there's times when you're not coughing, but you're constantly coughing, you might call it. And so that's, that's the idea of this word here. It's that uh, uh, with regularity, with regularity, he was praying for, for Timothy night and day. If you wake up during the night, you don't have to get mad that you woke up or, or uh, complaining that you woke up. What can you do? You can pray. Night and day, you can pray. And that's what Paul did for Timothy. Night and day, he prayed for this young man. He frequently pr- prayed for Timothy. Uh, we need to be doing that. And he says, even as I recall your tears in verse 4. What tears? This is interesting. What tears? As I remember your tears. I think it's tears that he cried when they were last together before they departed. We need to be, we need to have that same love, that same concern uh, for others as Paul did for Timothy in that we should cry when we have to depart and leave someone that we love that might be an over-exaggeration, but Timothy and Paul had such a father-son relationship that it was like a son losing his father. I cried when my father passed away, as I know you did, and my mother. Because why? There was such love there. There was such a relationship And this is how it ought to be in this family of ours here at this church. There needs to be that love, that compassion that Paul, one of great authority, showed to this young man. And by the way, it's okay to cry, men. It's okay to cry. Timothy did. Paul did. Jesus did. It's okay to shed tears. Uh, It's not an unmanly thing. It's a very manly thing. And then he says to Timothy, he says in verse 5, he had a sincere faith. He had a sincere faith, just like his mother and his grandmother, uh, who had a great influence on Timothy and mothers. Grandmothers, you can have a great influence on your children as well. And also Paul was persuaded that Timothy had a genuine faith. Paul had confidence in Timothy. And uh, what's involved in relationships with each other? And now I'm closing with this. What is involved in relationships with each other? I think, first of all, there's a genuine love is involved. Also, uh, Paul says that his joy may be full. I think encouragement is involved 
in this relationship. We need to be encouraging one another when we have uh, the opportunity. And I am encouraged. I'm in, encouraged to hear Gail say that she's going to witness to this Jesse, see. That's encouraging. What does that fill me with? Joy. Because Paul knew what he was preaching was true. And he wanted others to have this, this truth. Also, time spent with people. We need to be spending time uh, showing a concern for people and a gratitude for them. A gratitude, as Paul was for Timothy, and pray for them. And pray for them. That's where a real relationship, I think, is going on, is when we're praying for one another. Most important thing we can do is pray for each other. And Paul did that. And I think we can be strengthened from this book. Uh, and I think this book can encourage us to love more in a real genuine way. And I'm looking forward as we go through this to see the heart of Paul and that our hearts would be changed. Let's pray. Father, this morning uh, we've talked about some real simple things, and yet they're very profound uh, in another way. Lord, uh, uh, the supernatural uh, gift of faith to change our hearts, to love people who are unlovely, and to uh, encourage one another, uh, to love one another, to appreciate one another, uh, to spend time with one another is really a supernatural act of the Holy Spirit in our life. As it was in Paul's, a man who was humbled. Lord, may we be so humbled in serving you. In Jesus' name, amen.